hello and welcome back to In the Limelight. I am Alex Maresco. And I am Sarah Aiken. So today we are doing a little bit different of a show. We have been getting a lot of questions about the basics that every like newly diagnosed Lyme should know or people that think they have Lyme disease. So Sarah and I are just going to chat about that. Alex is our guest today, everyone. <laughs> and me. <laughs> All right. Um... So yeah, we are just going to kind of start with the things that I wish I knew when I was getting diagnosed with Lyme disease and things that will help you if you are newly diagnosed. A little backstory on my diagnosis. It took me two years to get diagnosed and I had like nine doctors, eight or nine doctors tell me I was crazy. I was misdiagnosed with thyroid cancer um, and I kind of went through the same thing that unfortunately every person with Lyme tends to go through. And I really just wish that I had had a source where I could go um, to kind of tell me the things that, you know, you don't really see frequently online or you see them, but you're not really sure if it's factual. So I have some questions for you. Hit me. From one friend (laughs) to the other. (coughs) All right. Can you just go into the things that you wish you knew Right when you got diagnosed, like they, your doctor told you, what did you wish you knew? Um, you know, I wish that I had realized, I don't know, maybe not, but like what a complicated journey getting diagnosed with Lyme disease is. Cause I was like, oh great. You know, I have an answer, but in reality, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs and that's okay. And just cause you have one good month and then one bad month, you know, that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or your doctor's doing anything wrong. Unfortunately, Lyme disease just is so smart that it knows how to adapt and hide in our body from like antibiotics and stuff. So you can't like get too down on yourself about that. You just have to keep chugging along. You are like the queen of keep chugging along. I, I try, but I definitely still like have my days where I like, you know, stay in my pajama pants and like don't do anything. So that's fair. That's where this podcast comes in. <laughs> you can still do the pod from your pajama pants. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so you have we have um, a little note here of okay. kind of like our thoughts. And Alex has, Western blot isn't accurate, but I don't know what that is. So I'm going to have her explain it to me and to you if you don't know also. Okay, so the Western blot is the typical diagnostic test that a doctor will run when you want them to test you for Lyme disease or they think you might have Lyme disease. The tricky thing about it is that Lyme disease is inaccurate. The test for Lyme disease, the blood test, the Western blot is inaccurate 53% of the time. So the issue with that obviously is that it makes it very difficult to get diagnosed. So people go undiagnosed for long periods of time and they wind up, you know, developing all these crazy symptoms like I have how can it not be how can like we up that percentage rate exactly the time is like so many rates in this country totally no and I mean honestly I think it's probably even higher than that um but that 53 percent is according to global Lyme alliance which you know you know is factual and I trust and that's why we need nonprofits like GLA that are fighting for a cure and most importantly just like accurate the most basic thing, accurate diagnostic testing, so we know what's wrong with us. I just, it's like crazy to me that there's not accuracy. Like I feel oh, like it's wild. 
medicine runs on accuracy. I still think about it sometimes and get like so angry or I talk to like my limey friends about it and I'm like, you guys, this is BS. So Lyme also mimics a lot of the symptoms of like MS and lupus. So just kind of go into that. Like, what do you do if you have researched online and you're like, I think I have Lyme disease, but your doctor yeah. keeps telling you of lupus. So that's like kind of what happened to me with the whole like thyroid cancer thing. <laughs> and um, I think you, unfortunately, when you think you have Lyme, you really just have to read up and like become very knowledgeable And that's difficult when you don't know, like, what the right resources are because doctors will look at you and say, I think you have MS, I think you have lupus, you know, I think you have fibromyalgia. And a lot of the time, you know, when I talk to other people with Lyme, that's what they were first diagnosed with. And the symptoms of Lyme, because it's different for everyone, mimic, you know, all these different diseases. So I just kind of want people to know to be vigil um, when they are looking to see if they have Lyme that Lyme mimics all these other things, which is crazy, but unfortunately true. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, and you can cut it out later, but Lyme disease is such an asshole. It really is. Like, it is. There's, like, no better way to describe it. Like, it's just such The a, ultimate such asshole. An asshole. It's just like, ha-ha, I'm going to pretend to be all these other people. <laughs> if we think of it in, like, a dating sphere. Yeah. It's like that asshole guy that's, like, dating a bunch of other people. It's the, um, what is, it's like a catfish. Yeah, totally. You're being catfished <laughs> by Lyme disease. Literally, it's not even, like, and then you'd know, exciting. You, no, and then, like... What's that guy's name? Nas? What's his name? Yeah, I think that is Ned. It. I don't know his name. Whatever I the guy like from. Ned. Like, pops out. Yeah, pops out. And he's like, just kidding. You don't have thyroid cancer. You have Lyme disease. Uh, killing me. Oh, coming soon to MTV near you. Yeah, seriously. Catfish, Lyme edition. Do you want to sponsor us? Yeah, seriously. Okay. Oh, God. The next thing you have is that you need to see a litter, a Lyme. Just a literate doctor, number one. You should <laughs> Please see, be literate. You should see a doctor that's literate and went to med school. Part two is you should see a Lyme literate doctor. So how do you go about finding a Lyme literate doctor? Kind of what do you do? Yeah, so this is something I had no idea about. So like when I first asked my pri- – my I don't see them anymore. But my primary care doctor to test me for Lyme. She literally was like, no, Lyme disease is a sham, and any doctor that will test you is a charlatan. So strong words there. Which no one obviously even knows isn't what true. Charlatan means. Um, and by no one, I mean I don't know. Maybe what we should Google. I, yeah, actually, I can't think of the All exact urban definition. Urban dictionary charlatan. But right I think now. it means like a fake. Um, so find not all doctors believe in chronic Lyme. Or Lyme at all. And not all doctors believe in Lyme existing in the body past 30 days, which we've proven to be untrue. So I don't understand. And I could 100% get into like conspiracy theories. But as I've said before, we'll save that for another day. <laughs> um, but you need to find when you're looking to get treated for Lyme or tested for Lyme, you need to find a Lyme literate doctor. What does that mean? It is a doctor that specializes in treating Lyme disease and knows the right way to test you to find the Lyme in your body because the CDC will say you have to have, you know, these nine bands or whatever on the Western blot. And in reality, if Lyme disease shows up in your blood at all, you've either had it or it's dormant or it's active. Um, And you really need an expert to read that for you to be able to treat you, you know, to the best care that you can get. That is very true. And another thing that I just want to say is Global Lyme Alliance offers a service on their website. I think it's gla.org. 
and go to their resources tab where they will help you find a Lyme literate doctor that is close to you because Lyme literate doctors can be few and far between. Um, So that's a great resource if you are struggling to find an LLMD. Also, if you're struggling to figure out what the word charlatan means, I googled it. And Wikipedia says, a charlatan, also called swindler or mont- oh my gosh, is a person practicing <laughs> quackery or some sort of confidence trick or deception in order to obtain money, fame, or other advantages via some form of pretense or deception. Synonyms for charlatan include shyster, quack, or faker. Well... <laughs> well that's all that, i mean that's the definition yeah, of charlatan. just know in case you were wondering it's it um comes from 1757 charlatan <laughs> so maybe your doctor perfect should also maybe my doctor to... was from 1757 yeah. she doesn't believe in lyme disease also calls people charlatans so maybe like update your also from vocab. 1757 this is actually a roast of alice's formal yeah welcome to the roast <laughs> of this former doctor i remember her name but i'm not gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> one thing That's i part remember of the roast. part of the roast is to not say your name oh god okay you just touched on this but global lime alliance is one of the few places online for accurate facts what how did you find global lime alliance like what yeah is kind of the story behind them so i so like obviously one of the first things you do when you think you have lime or you get diagnosed with lime is you start researching lime online and there are there's a lot of competing theories out there, some, you know, that's tried and tested and some that's not. And it's difficult because no, you know, two cases are alike. So there's no streamlined way to treat. So I started reading all this stuff and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm so overwhelmed and it's scary and you don't know what to believe. And eventually in my research, thankfully, I found Global Lime Alliance Um And if you go to their resources page and about GLA, you can read all about, you know, their research they're doing to find a cure and the research they're doing for accurate diagnostic testing and just facts about tick-borne illness, co-infections, and Lyme disease and statistics on, you know, the misdiagnoses and all that stuff that goes with it. But GLA really is like the only solidified factual place to get information on Lyme, um, you know, that you can trust and you feel comfortable with. So I know that like I'm always preaching about GLA, but I just think it's so important that people with Lyme get to know them because it's just become um, an invaluable tool for myself. I feel like it's a helpful tool for me as well, just to kind of like learn about it and just know that you're getting it from a helpful source. Yeah. I think too, GLA is a great place like a lot of friends and family don't understand understand exactly what Lyme disease is, and it's a great resource to be able to share with them and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is what I have. Um, and it kind of helps them to understand it better. Definitely. Speaking of understanding Lyme disease, so Lyme has over 100 symptoms. What – just go into some symptoms that – like, I know you just Instagrammed about this recently on your story of, like, shakiness yeah so kind of like what are symptoms that you would say that you're dealing with and just like yeah other people you know that have Lyme disease what are they dealing with I mean I've just like never heard of a disease that has over 100 symptoms so I think that's just really important to point out and know that 
it can be anything from, you know, memory loss to like a shaky limb. And that's what you should be looking out for if, you know, you can't get diagnosed with anything else or they can't find anything in your blood um, to look out for that. And I mean, personally, I suffer from like joint pain. My lymphatic system doesn't work. My neck swells up. I have like severe memory loss. I recently developed some shiny new neurological issues. So like my hands shake and like don't work the way I need them to and my throat doesn't swallow. And I really just think that that's why it's so important to be in tune with your body because it can be something as small as like your hands or feet being cold when they're not usually. And you're the only one that would know, you know. Yeah, that your hands. Yeah. You're the only one that's like, I'm normally warm right now. Yeah, like how weird is that? And it's only things you know. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I could say a lot worse things about Lyme, but we're going to keep it family friendly. This asshole family friendly. You know, I think like every kid probably has heard their parents say the word asshole at least once. Definitely while driving. Definitely like, ah. I still, the things I hear my mom say in the car, I'm like, calm down. It's going to be okay. You're never going to see this person again. We will survive. So going, how, is there anything that you can like, I mean, I know that, like, diet <coughs> means everything. So yeah. does the diet at all, like, affect the symptoms? Yeah, something that I never knew before and that I got really in tune with after I got diagnosed with Lyme um, was that, like, gut health is everything for Lyme, and it really helps you feel so much better. And I also had no idea that Lyme feeds off of gluten and sugar because gluten carbs you know get turned into sugar and lime loves sugar it keeps them fat and happy just like me um so personally I had to cut out gluten dairy soy corn and sugar and I honestly at first I was like man I can't wait until I can go back to like eating all this again honestly now I'll never go back it's made the biggest difference for me gut-wise and with like fighting inflammation and just in how I feel that I would really recommend if you are newly diagnosed to Lyme doing a little bit of research on an anti-inflammatory diet and I promise you that it will make the world of a difference and if you don't know how to cut those things out send me a message on Instagram or Twitter at Allie Team Resco and I will send you some of my favorite, you know, healthy bloggers, gluten and dairy free bloggers. Um, and I think that makes it a little bit easier. I think you have um, on here and I know that you do these all the time, but other simple things that help are obviously cutting out gluten and dairy, but then like yeah. you do Epsom salt baths and an infrared sauna, stretching, anything else that helps. Yeah. So um, Epsom salt baths, I, it's probably like the cheapest thing you can do that like makes the biggest impact. I just buy them in bulk at like, you know, Jewel, Whole Foods, wherever you shop, Target, and take, you need to use at least two cups of Epsom salt. Personally, I use like four cups and, you know, put it in hot water and sit in it as long as you need to. And it'll really relieve your muscle soreness. And then also a lot of issues that Lymeys have, um, is regulating body temperature and the magnesium in the Epsom salt actually helps to kind of bring us back and level us out. So that's part of why I do it. And I also take a magnesium supplement. You can find that at any health store and it'll kind of just help. It helps with your heart. It helps with your liver. It helps, you know, with your thyroid and regulating your body temperature. 
Um, and then I also recommend if you're having muscle soreness or joint swelling or stiffness, definitely buy turmeric. And you can buy that in a supplement form. You can buy it fresh at the grocery store and grate it, you know, into some almond milk and it's really good. But that's also, you know, a cost-effective way to kind of treat your symptoms without, you know, having to like go way out of your way. I know you do a lot of dry brushing as well. What is dry brushing? So dry brushing, like my doctor was like, you should dry brush. And I was like, what? Like, this is super weird. Um, But basically you literally buy like a dry brush. It's like a boar bristle brush and you can Google it online. There's a way where like basically you brush up your legs and your arms and it makes your lymphatic system move. Um, And that's really the only way with Lyme that you can help like cycle out the dead spirochetes is by dry brushing your lymphatic system. So I would definitely look more into that and I will put a link below on lymphatic brushing That's so you can check it so out. That's also so interesting. <laughs> I have an issue with saying the word interesting apparently. <laughs> oh God, it's so <coughs> interesting how, I'm just gonna, okay. It's so interesting how you can like Literally just, like, brush your skin and that moves yeah. your lymphatic system. I had no idea. I obviously had no idea. Until and now. I have learned so much. I also get these things called lymphatic massages where basically, um, like, an expert on the lymphatic system just, like, gently, like, rubs different, like, weird parts of your body and it helps your lymphatic system work. And at first I was like, okay, I'll try this once and, like, I don't know if I believe in this. And then, like probably a couple hours of late hours later for a full 24 hours I was like dead like I couldn't get off the couch and I told my doctor about it he was like well yeah that's because your lymphatic system doesn't work then when you get a lymphatic massage or you do lymphatic cupping it moves your lymphatic system so you're like draining out spirochetes and like horrible toxins so you get super tired so interesting it's wild it's crazy (laughs) All right, do you have any other interesting facts for us about Lyme disease or anything you want to tell hmm. the lovely people of in the limelight? Let me think. I also wanted to, t- I mean, there's quite a few more things I want to touch upon. Just but... more like basics. Oh, basics. Hmm. Yes. Um, I found out the hard way that like insurance normally doesn't cover Lyme treatment, which is ridiculous. Um... But you need to get a CDC positive test for insurance to cover it. And a lot of people don't get that. And even after you get it, sometimes insurance won't cover it. Um, Personally, I think it's because there's no streamlined way to treat or cure Lyme. Um, And also, when you have Lyme, you're probably doing a variety of, like, antibiotics, homeopathic supplements, and, like, sometimes IV therapy like I do. So big pharma isn't necessarily like super profiting off of you having Lyme. So insurance normally like doesn't like to touch it. And I always say that I really feel like one of the lucky ones because I can afford to get treatment and get better. Um, But I do think it's just important to be aware of the fact before you go see a doctor to see A, if they even accept insurance because some Lyme literate doctors do not even work with insurance companies. Like the cash only doctors. Kind of, yeah. Like you, I mean, you can put it on a credit card, but like, you know, I, I mean, I could go into this in more detail, but 
I don't think it's relevant right now. I mean, what the CDC does is if you're a doctor treating with homeopathic or supplements and it's something they don't believe in, they'll like slap you with a warning or you're, they'll just, they'll take away your MD. So a lot of like the really big Lyme literate doctors, you know, I mean, they're really expensive because they're using all these advanced therapies, but they won't work with insurance companies because God forbid they get like their MD taken away. What do you do? I've heard of doctors before that you have to show up with like $800 in cash. That's wild. That I've never heard of. to like Lyme uh, disease, but they'll yeah. like, like you need, I need cash. Like I don't accept insurance and I don't accept credit cards. They only accept cash. So they're like legit doctors. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you're, you're treating me. So whatever. Yeah, thankfully I haven't heard of anything like that, but like, you know, it's just hard because like, obviously if you have insurance, you go to the doctor and you like expect it to be covered and then you might find out the hard way after you see a doctor and you get all these treatments done. You're like, holy crap, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's nuts. Yeah. On that note, on the note of insurance not covering things. I just wanted to say that, so I know we talked earlier about the Western blot being super inaccurate, um, but there are some tests that aren't amazing, but they are a lot better than the Western blot. And um, it's actually what I had done. My doctors did a bunch of different tests and sent them to Igenix, and we had to pay for those out of pocket which ultimately was fine because it led to my Lyme diagnosis and who knows where I'd be now, you know, a year later if I hadn't been diagnosed. But I would look into Igenix testing. They just released, I think, two new tests that are supposed to be a lot more accurate. It's worth it even though it's expensive. Bite the bullet and do it. Um, The Western blot and whatever your primary care doctor provides you with is not the only option. And... The last thing, which is something that Sarah and I joke about all the time, because, like, sometimes you just have to, like, make light of a situation, is Lyme Rage. Oh, Lyme Rage. (laughs) Oh, I can't believe I forgot about Lyme Rage. I know. I always go, uh, what did I say? I always say... Lyme Rage Blackout. Yeah, I always go, did you say Lyme Rage Blackout? I have a Lyme Rage, (laughs) and then I don't have a good memory, so I forget what I said. So it's, like, a not fun version of drinking a lot, but... But, honestly... (laughs) With no alcohol. I feel like Rage Blackouts are just, like... It looks like I had a rage blackout, but now it's a lime rage blackout. I had a good one the other day. I have to tell you about. Oh my god, I can't wait. Um, so, lime rage is like very real. Obviously, lime affects every single part of your body, including your emotions and your brain. So you can get something called lime rage, and it's where you might have like a little bit of trouble controlling your emotions, or you might get like really upset about things that you normally wouldn't let affect you and that's okay and you're not crazy it's real it happens I go through it um and if you go through a Lyme Rage blackout know that you are not alone because it happens it does I can attest I've seen her get mad at quinoa chips yes I've gotten mad at quinoa chips um I mean to be fair who haven't gotten mad at quinoa chips though just kind of like angry that they're there. I don't even remember getting mad at them, but I'm sure it sounds. I don't like know if they I were quinoa chips. So. It was just the first thing I could think of. I just remember like sitting in your kitchen, and there was some food thing. You were just like so upset. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, I I understand. Sorry, I know you said that lime rage blackout was real is the last thing, but I just wanted to know. So you've been talking also a lot about on. Your Instagram stories, if you don't follow Alex on her Instagram stories, it's very interesting and you learn a lot. Um, but what is a co-infection? So a lot of the times with Lyme, 
you get these things called co-infections. And so ticks are like tricky little buggers, literally. And I'd call them something else if we were just talking privately. Um, That starts with an F. And ends with buggers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're so tiny, but they can carry over 175 diseases and infections. So personally, when I got bit, I got Lyme disease and I got Babesia and Bartonella. So Babesia is like a cousin of malaria. So it's like actually something that causes Lyme rage and like all these other crazy things and like night sweats. And um, a lot of the time, if you get Lyme, you also get these co-infections. So it's important to make sure if you are seeing a doctor or Lyme literate doctor that they're also testing you for these co-infections because unfortunately you just never know and it becomes this cycle of like, you can't treat one without getting rid of the other. And, you know, it's just a big mess going on in your body. So that's crazy. Also crazy that Babesia is that the is a cousin of mal- malaria. malaria. Yeah. So if you add malaria, do you also get blackouts? I don't know. Probably Are you just cousins. They don't have like the same. I don't know. I just know that it's really related to malaria. It's crazy. Which is like crazy to think we have that like in the U.S. Because I obviously associate malaria with like foreign countries. And I'm not adventurous. The only place I've been outside the U.S. is Europe. You know? I know. It's crazy. So. None. Well, Alex, you have been a wealth of knowledge today, as always. (laughs) But especially today. If you don't already, I know we just said this before, but if you don't already follow Alex on Instagram and Twitter, follow her. She has great information about Lyme, and then she shows her cute outfits sometimes. It's not... <laughs> sometimes you need to smile, too. Yeah, sometimes you're like, damn. Sometimes you need to shake. Sometimes you need to smile. I like the winter skirt. <laughs> I got a text, actually, from one of my best friends from high school, and she was like, Hey, where did um like where does Alex get all of her clothes? Like I love them. And I was like, well, let me tell you. Actually, if you just tap, it she tags everything. And you just find out there. But no, but anyway, so Alex is fun to follow on Instagram. Well, you're giving me too much credit because you're also fun to follow. So you can follow Sarah at Sarah Aiken, and you can follow me at Allie Team Resco. And as always, if you have any suggestions or questions about interviews um, or anything we talked about, please feel free to reach out to us and we are happy to chat. We obviously enjoy talking, so make <laughs> you sure. can tell. <laughs> Clearly we enjoy talking as we started a podcast. So make sure to DM us, tweet us, mostly DM me though, if we're going to be honest. Like, I don't really, Alex runs my Twitter. You can tell Sarah she has a cute butt. No, I don't. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, don't even look at it because it's, like, not that good. I'm not even being, like, modest right now. Like, I promise you, like, it's not cool. Um, Um, To get off the subject of Sarah's booty, I will link a few of my favorite resources. Um, There's a book by Dr. Horowitz that I love. There's a book called Real Food, Fake Food that I love. And there's some gluten and dairy-free bloggers that I follow. Um, So you can kind of just meander through those. And I hope it helps someone. And if you have any tips that you would like to share or little facts, please let me know and we can always add them into the post. Something that I just wanted to touch on really quickly was the fact that Sarah and I have started hosting some live in the Limelight podcast. We hosted our first one in Chicago at Zany's Comedy Club last week. 
and we brought about 60 limeys together for a fun night of comedy. So if you would like us to try to host an event in your city, please tweet us or send us a message and we will try our best to make it happen. All right, guys, I am fundraising for Global Lime Alliance. Um, I think I would like to see a cure or at least some solid research breakthrough as much as you would. So if you'd enjoyed today's podcast, please consider making a $10 donation to my GLA fundraising page that is linked in this post. I will love you forever. Okay, thanks for listening, you guys, and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.